two years ago, I was uh, I was at work, and at the end of the day, a lady came in, and she said, I was just driving across the car park, and there was a bang, and I think the drive shafts were open in my car. And I thought, what a weird thing to think. Why, when there's a bang, would you think that? And she said, well, there's this bang, my car just stopped. It jammed still, nothing's going to move. And I thought, that's, that's strange. But I thought I should help this person anyway. So myself and another male member of staff, and I think it is significant that we're both males, we went out to the car and we thought, well, we're men. We know about cars. We'll have a look. And, and to be honest, in my mind, I think I set out to prove to her that her drive shaft hadn't broken. So he was looking under the bonnet, and I crawled underneath the car to have a look. And I was proving successfully that the drive shaft hadn't broken. At the same time, a female member of staff came outside, and I think she took the correct view of what happened. The first thing she did was to offer the good lady a cup of tea which neither of us had thought to say, oh, I'm sorry, or that's a bad day or anything. We just plowed in on the car. And then the second thing she did was she paused, and she said, guys, should the front wheels not both be pointed in the same direction? And we'd gone flying in to prove our point. We'd gone flying in on the details, and hadn't noticed that quite obviously the front wheels should be pointed in the same direction. They weren't, and sure enough, her car wasn't going to be going anywhere. The female lady, the female lady, the lady had come out. <laughs> the lady had come out and had done the correct thing. She'd stopped, she looked at the big picture. And it's important that when we look at the Bible, we look for the big picture of what's going on. So let's start now. I just want to remind us where we are in the whole picture of the Bible. Okay, so Book of Acts is after the Gospels. So we've got to the point where Jesus has come. He's fulfilled what he said he was going to do. He was on the cross. His last words were, it's finished. He died. He rose again to prove that he's beating death. He ascended up into heaven to show that he can take us up there with us. And that, that, that's the most amazing thing we could ever hear. That alone is great cause for celebration. But then just before he went, he promised that he would leave his helper to help us. And that was his Holy Spirit. Now this book that we know as Acts, uh, that we know as Acts, is uh, properly titled The Acts of the Apostles. But, um, certainly if anybody's heard me talk about the Bible Toolkit before, one of the tools I use is the God's the Hero Tool. No, thanks. The God's the Hero Tool. That's supposed to be a superhero kit with a G on the back to remind you that God's always the hero. So, I'm not going to get into an argument about whether it should or shouldn't be called the Acts of the Apostles. But I think whenever we read this book, can you go back one there, please? We should be thinking of it also as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because what we see going on inside this book really is the Holy Spirit working, the Holy Spirit, and here's the smooth link, working to spread the gospel. You can see where that came from. The Holy Spirit working to spread the gospel. So that's a big picture of what we're seeing as we read the Bible now. And the, the first of it, as I zoom up it, um, and I'd like you to read in your groups just verses 1 to 5. And I want you to be able to, well, to discuss in groups, and then say in a couple of minutes, are verses 1 to 5 verses that we'd count as good, or verses that we'd count as bad? 
So take a moment in your groups. Acts 8, verses 1 to 5. Acts 8, 1 to 5. Are they good or are they bad? Hopefully you've had a chance to do that then. Now, as we read any bit of the Bible, it is very important for us to look at not just what's happened, but to be getting to know God through it. To be getting to know God's character, to be getting to know God, who God is and how he acts. So as we look at this a little bit, we need to bear that with that in mind. Now the awkward answer, I believe, to the question of these verses good or bad, is that actually it's both. When we look at the first word, so it says, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church. A great persecution against the church in its own right is a bad thing. And I would never want to stand and say that any church being persecuted or any person being persecuted, whether it's to the level that we had here with people being scattered, whether it's the awful murders that we hear of across the world, or whether it's going into school and knowing you're going to get rid of your faith. I never would want to claim that any of those are not bad, that they don't get you down, that they don't feel horrible when they're happening. But what we do see here is God using that to spread his word. We can see that God can use the bad situations and does use the bad situations to make sure that his word gets spread. Because as the people moved away from the persecution, as they became scattered, to use the words here, it also says that those who were scattered preached the word wherever they went. So God uses an awful situation to make sure that his word goes out across the land and beyond, and exactly where it goes we're going to look at in a few minutes. On something that I think is amazing and is a tremendous encouragement that it is the same God that we know today. It's the same as Holy Spirit who works with us today. That's both amazing, encouraging, and very exciting. I want to read something from a book which I know I recommended to a few people before, making that same point. Um, Flick on a couple of Thanks. Some of you may uh, remember, especially if you're a geek like me, the space shuttle. It was a spaceship thing that went up to the space station or into orbit, and then came back down. It was a reusable, the first and only reusable spaceship. Unfortunately, a couple of them crashed. The second one that crashed was being commanded by somebody uh, called Mr. Husband. And his wife is Mrs. Husband. Um, and she wrote a book after that crash. And it's a book that I'd recommend that you read, not for the descriptions of that day or for what happened after, but for the two-thirds of the book which talk about their life before I find it both encouraging and challenging looking at how they lived their lives, what was important to them. And for somebody, the, the Christian award was the commander, so somebody who got right to the top of his profession, how it was that he juggled getting to the top with being a Christian. But enough of the book review, I just want to read a little bit which talks about three days before he went into space on the final mission. And what had happened was they were trying to get everything done. They had a huge to-do list. Apparently the bottom of the to-do list was build Rome. That was how bad they felt things were going. And then they found that their daughter had hit us. And at first she was saying, no, 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 it can't be. And her husband was saying, yeah, our daughter's got hit us. 
and she started panicking because she thought, well, my daughter's got head lice, my husband could get head lice, my husband gets head lice, all of the crew will have head lice, and the whole space mission is going to get cancelled because I'm a bad mother. So she was feeling distraught at the fact that her daughter had head lice. And then she writes in the book, During my quiet times, I had been working and giving thanks for everything, but I found it difficult to thank God for Laura's head lice. How could anyone be thankful for that? Almost immediately, a scene from the book The Hiding Place came to mind about Corrie Ten Boom and her sister Betsy, who were prisoners in a Nazi concentration camp. Their quarters were infested with fleas, and they itched day and night. Corrie was complaining, and Betsy said they needed to give thanks to God for the fleas, because they needed to be thankful for everything. Corrie couldn't say it that way. As it turned out, the fleas kept the guards from entering the barracks, and they were able to have Bible studies with the other women and to spread God's word without any of the guards bothering them. Their fleas had been a blessing from God. I felt as if the Lord was saying, I gave Laura, our daughter, five uninterrupted hours with her dad. I was laid low by that, because I thought about how lovingly my husband Rick had attended to Laura, and how differently I would have handled it. She later realised that those five hours that Laura spent with her dad were almost the last five hours she ever did spend with her dad, because he went into space a few days later and then the, the shuttle crashed on the way back. The same Holy Spirit, who we read about in verses 2 to 5, who brings good out of bad, still does that today. Now, it can be slightly different, because even husband, who wrote the book, and current in the room, could look back and see how God had brought it out of bad. We may not always see that. And I do want to say now, if you know somebody who's having a bad day, I don't think that's going to be the time to remind them that God brings good out of bad, because that could send to them to them having a bad day. But that makes it more important for us now to learn that God does bring good out of bad. And that God can use this to spread his word. This is us getting to know God. What an awesome God we serve. And what an awesome Holy Spirit that we still want to have now who can spread God's word through whatever situation and who does spread God's word through whatever situation. So let's not be flippant about it with ourselves when we're having a bad day or when friends are having a bad day. But let's know God and let's be encouraged by the fact that God does spread his word and God does use bad for his purposes. Right now, we're just going to break for a second. We're going to sing to that God so the bands can come back up. And keep that in mind as we worship him. Jerusalem had been the centre of the Jewish world. 
It was where Christ had died, it was where the people were. So at that time, in many ways, a very lovely place, although not perfect like anywhere. Samaria was also mentioned. Samaria is somewhere further north where the Samaritans came from. But when we think of the Samaritans now, we probably have something different in our heads to what it would have meant to somebody who read this or knew of this for the first time round. To us now, Samaritans from the story of the Good Samaritan are good people, people who look after people, or perhaps on the end of a phone line for when uh, people are in trouble. But back then, the significance of Samaria, the significance of the story of the Good Samaritan, was that Samaritans pick, picked and chose from the Bible. They only believed in bits about Moses, apparently. They were seen as bad people, people who didn't have the theology right, people who were defiant against God's word. So for people to head up to Samaria was really something kind of out of the ordinary. Gaza, which hopefully found somewhere better left, is in an area that was called, uh, I know how you say it, Philistia, I think, where the Philistines came from. Same Philistines that had fought against God's people in the story of David and Goliath. People who are violent continually towards God's people. Again, quite a shock that that should be where, at that time, God's message was going. But that really tells us something. We've got in those first three, the centre of the Jewish world, the centre of God's people, people who defy the truth, and people who are violent against God's people. The Ethiopian, and um, Ethiopia, although apparently then that was in the area we know called Sudan. But either way, his job, it seemed, was to go in place of other people to worship at the temple. He was kind of the envoy. And if he was reading God's word and not understanding any of it, he might just have been paying a bit of lip service to it. Or they might have been going for a bit of a mixed religion, cover all the bases sort of an option. Doesn't sound like he was uh, definitely ungodly, God-fearing in some ways, but certainly no idea what he was talking about. Azotus, mentioned near the end, is, or was, down near Gaza, also in Philistia, so the same things apply there. And Caesarea was a Roman um, town, or city, which, at that time, there were some Christians there, but a very mixed religion, what people might call cosmopolitan sort of a place. So when we read through these places, if we actually think about them, or do a little bit, bit of digging through other bits of the Bible, we can find out what God's doing. We can find out that God's moving his word through the Holy Spirit, not just geographically across that area, but really to anybody and to everybody. And remember, that's the same Holy Spirit that we know and that we serve and that's in us today. A Holy Spirit so wise we can barely comprehend it, so powerful we can't get anywhere near it, but yet the Holy Spirit that's in us. That, I believe, is absolutely awesome. That is such an encouragement to know that today and to get to know God in that today. Now, so let's look at the people who are involved. And um, we had Philip, who is an evangelist. And um, when I was doing a bit of research on this, apparently a lot of people think he wasn't Philip the Apostle, he was a different one. But either way, he was definitely ready to use God's word. Now, here's an example to us. But we need to be careful not to make him the hero of that passage. I think it is a great example he said that he heard 
the Ethiopian reading God's word and said, look, can I explain that to you? And took him to Jesus from that. And I think it's something worth practicing. And I, I mean, literally, sort of trying out in little groups, and you've always done it in a small group. Comes from a challenge I heard from a person who used to be the head of Christians in sport. And Graham Daniels, who was here last week, and was also part of that same organization. And the guy who used to be head of Christians in sport said, do you want to be able to tell, tell the gospel or give your testimony in the time that it takes to burn a match? And quite literally, he would sit down. He did this with the Brazilian football teams before they won the World Cup. Gave them a match each. Told them to light the match and share the gospel with the person beside them before they burnt their fingers. And they were little matches. They weren't like big bomb takers or anything. It's a great skill just to have that in our heads and to be ready. And it's something I do suggest you practice, whether it's in small groups or with friends. But we're not going to sit and do that now because we're not going to let Philip be the hero. God's the hero. The Holy Spirit guided Philip to be there. How he did that, I don't claim to completely understand or know. But he put Philip in that situation and used Philip in that situation. Saul, you may have mentioned, was, uh, you may have noticed, sorry, was mentioned twice. Saul, at this time, couldn't have been more opposite to Philip. He was not only against the gospel, but very violent. He took great pride in killing Christians and beating them out of their homes. But if you keep your eye on Saul, somewhere through the um, book of Acts, he changes very dramatically. We have the Ethiopian, who we've already mentioned, who is uh, probably God-fearing, but not understanding. And in the part that we skipped over, it very significantly mentions that men and women were hearing the gospel. So what we learn from the group of people is exactly the same as we learn from the uh, groups of places. The same points being made twice. The Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that we know today, is spreading the gospel amongst, well, everybody. There's no barrier of man and woman. There's no barrier of whether at that point people were for God or against God or confused by it or of any sort of mixed religion. It didn't matter. And in knowing God today, we can know that this God that we've served, sorry, this God that we've seen in the Bible is the same God that we serve today. It's the same Holy Spirit we have with us. And I think that our reaction to that now should not be to try and copy Philip, or should not be to say, let's go and do this, but to celebrate it. So there's no better way for us to finish Sunday on now than to get the band back up and to celebrate that that's the same God that we are worshipping and serving today.